Jordan and Gretzky, Serena and Ruth Remembering great ones is easy to do But what about the no names who spent their whole lives Long stepping footballs and catching sack flies They're guys, remember that guy some guys now i'm the best ever i'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been there's no one can stop me lennox the conqueror no i'm alexander he's no alexander i'm the best ever there's never been anybody as ruthless i'm sunny listen i'm jack dempsey i'm cut from that same cloth and there's no one that can match me. my style is impetuous my defense is impregnable and i'm just ferocious i want your heart i want to eat his children praise be to remember that guy the show we mind our memories for nuggets of nostalgia about peripheral players past and present hey there folks it's me one of your host james hot take don't think cannibalism is great. Diaz with you. And I, I think that's a fair statement for us to make as a pod. Uh, we're anti-cannibalism, but we have a very special guest who might have some crazy ideas about that. Please welcome Hannibal Lecter. Hey, you know what? Don't knock it until you've tried a liver with fava beans or, you know, been trapped <laughs> in a billionaire submarine that looks like it's held together with string tape with no food. People turn to cannibalism pretty quickly in times of crisis. Just saying. But you know what? I can honestly say I have not eaten anybody yet. And that is a 100% fact from the very special guest Xavier. It is interesting you say how hardship could drive someone to cannibalism because Hannibal Burris canonically lives in the Baltimore suburbs. So presumably if he enjoys sports, he's a Ravens and Orioles fan. Honestly, there might have been enough Orioles hardship in the period that those books were set. Or I think those books are also set when the Colts move, which would even more justify the hardships that did drive Dr. Hannibal Lecter to his dark deeds. It all makes sense now. I think this is actually really strong world building by whoever it is that wrote the Hannibal Lecter books. I do like that you said Hannibal Burris first, though. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> it happens. I'm just picturing Hannibal Burris and Hannibal Lecter just like, hey, so... So do, do you like liver? Like, no, I kind of like comedy, but, you know, maybe Eric Andre would be interested. That'd be a great <laughs> Eric Andre interview. But we need to stop giving out good ideas. Instead, let's go ahead and talk about what's making memories for us right now. Speaking of Raven's hardships, uh, I'll go ahead and start off this week. So back in October 2015, there was a Thursday night football game. Steelers hosted the Ravens. And it was a Mike Vick versus Joe Flacco duel. Ravens have been 0-3 coming into this. You know, you think this is going to turn the game around, turn the season around after you get this overtime win in Pittsburgh. And it didn't go that way. Uh, months later, when these teams met again, the Ravens are 4-10. and Steelers have gotten Ben Roethlisberger back, who was suspended. I wonder why he was suspended earlier for those games where Mike Vick was playing. The Ravens quarterback situation is a lot worse at this point. They just benched Jimmy Clausen who had been signed off the street to uh, replace the injured Matt Schaub, who had already replaced the injured Joe Flacco. So things were pretty bleak in this 4-10 season after a playoff run just a year ago where we almost beat the Patriots to go to the AFC Championship game. Things going badly, and 12 days before this game is set to take place, December 27th, they signed another quarterback who is now going to replace the bench Jimmy Clausen. His name is Ryan Mallett. And it is two days after Christmas. It is also 64 degrees and humid. And so the teams just decide they're going to air it the fuck out. Uh, we get the scoring started with a pass. To actually, none other than Hall of Guy entrant Chris Matthews catches the first touchdown and scores the first points of this game. 
Man, they're trained field goals. Uh, there's some rushing touchdowns from also hollow guy entrant D'Angelo Williams. This is a guy dense game. In fact, there is one other one I want to mention with 43 total snaps, two tackles, two assists. Number 67 in your programs, but number 69 in your hearts, Lawrence Guy. But Ryan Mallett is is the star of this game. This was his seventh career start at this point after he'd been a backup in New England for a while. Ryan Mallett threw the ball 41 times in this game and uh, did complete 28 of those for 274 yards, one touchdown that was career high. And in this just fucking miserable season, Ryan Mallett did deliver their final win of the season. He finished 5-11, and 11, but it didn't matter because we had the season sweep of the Steelers. Thanks to Ryan fucking Mallet. This week on the 27th of June, Ryan Mallet apparently at the age of 35 passed away due to drowning. My thoughts immediately went to this exact game that I just described to you. And I did what anyone does when you hear that an athlete dies. I uh, texted my dad, Tucker Fulwiler, normally writes very overwrought long messages that take several minutes for him to compose. And this time got a response almost immediately which is, uh, hadn't heard yet, that Steelers game is fucking legendary. That we both so quickly went to, like, the one obvious thing that this guy who, he went to back up Joe Flacco after this, and he played for a couple more years. He threw 22 more times in his entire next two seasons with the Ravens after this game. It's pretty much the last thing that Ryan Mallett ever did, but it stuck. And as he passed, like, the entire city of Baltimore remembered this one fluke win over the Steelers in one of the worst seasons the team's ever had. And uh, I guess, anyway, I guess he's R.I.P. Mallet now. God dang it, Bobby. Anyway, that's what's making memories for me this week. No, it's always, it's, it feels like we've had a lot of random early quarterback deaths lately. Like we had Dwayne Haskins not that long ago. They always suck. And let's hope that Adam Schefter worded his tweet a little better this time around. We are looking at the past. Let's, let's look to the present with hopefully something a little bit less bumming out from the two of you. Well, we did get breaking news right before we started recording here. It's a big offseason for the Sixers. A lot of worry among Sixers fans that we were going to give James Harden too much money. And it just broke about a half hour before we started recording that Harden has actually opted in to his contract, which I think would have been the best case scenario, although it is now followed up with a complicating factor that he wants a trade. And to this, I say, James Harden, when you were in Houston, you demanded a trade because you thought that it wasn't your fault that you couldn't get over the hump. In Brooklyn, you demanded a trade because you thought that it wasn't your fault that you couldn't get over the hump. And now in Philadelphia, what do we have here? James Harden doesn't think it's his fault. And he's demanding a trade out of Philadelphia. It's like the, Look, if you run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. If you make trade negotiations in every single stop, you might be the problem. Look, and I mean, we could say the same thing for Furkan Korkmaz. You know, he's been demanding trades and that's a big reason why the Sixers haven't gotten over the hump. It's just really remarkable. And I would be lying if I didn't give James Harden credit for two 40-point performances in that Celtics series. He was very good. But the thing is, at this point, James Harden, if he has a good game, just comes down to one thing. If he's hitting his step-back three, it opens up his whole game, and he can be the pick-and-roll maestro that he's always been. He can have a good game if the step-back three is going in. If it is not going in, he cannot finish at the rim anymore. He cannot blow by anybody. 
He's simply not the same player that he was. And even the player that he was in his heyday, every time that the Rockets had a chance to finally break through and they needed a big performance from James Harden, those were the moments that he came up quietest. I really don't care what the Sixers get back for James Harden. The thing that I'm most excited about is Maxi gets the ball now and we get to see what he has as a lead guard. He's going to be due for a big extension next offseason. This is perfect. Maxi gets one more year on his rookie deal for us to see what he can do because maybe he can't get us to a championship, but I at least don't know that he definitely can't. And I do know that James Harden can definitely not be the primary ball handler on a championship team. Say la vie, au revoir, get the fuck out. James Harden, had enough. No more memories will be made by James Harden in Philadelphia. Many more with Tyrese Maxey. Final memory was made with that ESPN notification. Xavier, I wonder if anything that you have is, is coming with the same sort of grave finality as that. So Alec Manoa's career is over, so that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so great. I, I don't enjoy everyone's downfall. I do enjoy this one. He's not, a, he's not a good person, so that makes it fun to enjoy him giving up 11 runs and two innings to a bunch of teenagers in rookie ball. You know, less than a year after he claimed he was the greatest and that a bunch of his peers were all cheaters, and that's why he was better than them, so. Now, now to be fair, I do think there was at least one 20-year-old. Yeah, but I think the kids he gave home runs to were both 18. Well, that's much better, honestly. But uh, Alec Manoa... Have fun in Florida, and then wherever you're going to get exiled to afterwards. NHL draft happened last night, and I found it very intriguing. Two things. One, Corey Pronman got the Flyers draft exactly correct. His mock, he had the Flyers taking Matt Vey Michkov at seven, who is easily the second most talented player in the draft, but has a three-year deal in Russia, and there's a good chance he may never come over because there was some talk about him trying to come over earlier. And then his dad was found mysteriously dead in a pond. So th there might be some issues there. But the other pick was a guy named Bonk, who I think is fantastic. Oliver Bonk, the newest Flyers defenseman. Pick. He's specifically a defender. That's very good. Yes. So sounds like an enforcer type. And the Rangers picked this guy named Gabe Perot who was part of the U.S. Youth Development Academy, where our new assistant coach just came from. He actually set the record for most points in a single season for the development program, passing Austin Matthews and Jack Hughes. And everyone says that he has the greatest hockey IQ, like, ever. But the reason he lasted until pick 23 is because he's small, isn't fast, and also played on a line with the, was it number three pick and the number five pick? So his teammates were all considered much better than him, and he accrued points playing with them. But it'd be interesting to see what happens with him. You know, hockey players, it takes a little while for them to come up. He's going to Boston College, so we won't see him for a while. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Very quickly, Domingo Herman threw a perfect game. It's weird, because most Yankees fans don't really like him for, you know, some obvious reasons. I don't really like him that much either for those reasons. And because it was a 10 p.m. Eastern time start, I missed it. So 
that sucks. It's like, oh, the 24th perfect game ever happened and the first Yankees won in 25 years, and I weirdly don't care that much about it, so I don't need to say that much unless either of you have anything interesting to say about it. I didn't, but I want to harp on your the first Yankees perfect game in 25 years. Just like that casual, yeah, it's been 25 years since we threw our last one. There is a Yankees fan relativism that we just need to accept. Like, you know, a person from Florida to them, 50 degrees is really cold. To a Yankees fan, 25 years between perfect games, it's a lot. So I think we need to be sympathetic there. No, I just wanted to comment on my experience of like learning about this perfect game because I was set to watch USA played uh, St. Kitts and Nevis. That's that, Nevis. That's how you say it. And Nevis. 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 St. Kitts and Nevis. And like that game was going to kick off at 10. So like at 9.45, I saw like, all right, 15 minutes to kick off. And I saw that Herman, because I have him in our Dynasty Baseball League, was going against Oakland. So I thought, ah, he might have a pretty good game. Maybe I'll watch some of that. I'll watch some of the U.S. And then I dozed. I woke up to the U.S. game was only five minutes in. So I watched for about five, ten minutes thinking, okay, I only fell asleep for a half hour. I actually fell asleep for three and a half hours. I was catching the replay. And <laughs> so then in a span of about 20 seconds, I learned it's three hours later than you thought it was. USA won 6 nothing, And Domingo Herman threw a perfect game. So that was, it, it felt like, you know, the Adam Sandler movie click. That was what I felt like yeah. it just happened in my life. Like I just hit a quick fast forward. You, you slept for like the exact duration of the perfect game with the intention of watching it. That's more impressive than Xavier missing an us. You have more reason to be bitter than Xavier who has, as we've established, had another Yankees perfect game in his lifetime. Well, yes, so, I know you were a child, but. No, so, well, so it's interesting because. There were the Wells and Cone perfect games were back-to-back years. But from Cone on, until Corey Kluber's no-hitter in 2021, the Yankees did not have a single no-hitter in those 22 years. And in that time, I think the Phillies had five, and the Orioles had John Means. So, like, this is a thing that the Yankees hadn't seen in a while. Like, we're now, because of that, those two that came in the space of a year, it looks like we have a lot of perfect games. But that's a very weird bunching. Where that, that is also, there years? is one more. <laughs> yes, Don Larson, 40 years prior to that. You, yes. have, you have one out of every six perfect games pitched by a Yankees pitcher with, as Diaz has uh, pointed out, a name starting with D. Yeah, it's 56, then 98-99, and then 20-23. But the actual, like, the list of no-hitters we have, the Dodgers have 26 no-hitters. Yankees have 13, which is the exact same amount as the Phillies. Well, no, so I just, you said the Phillies had four. Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, right, right, right. Five. Well, so I'm Kevin Millwood, 2002. Roy Halladay, twice, because he had the perfect Millwood game and the no-hitter. There was a combined was one with Cole Hamels, I think, also. There was a combined, there were a couple well, Cole combined Hamels had a straight one. In and this is like the craziest thing. His last start with the Phillies because like the trade deadline was coming up. We I all knew remember. it was his last I start. Do I have five, five for the Phillies uh, in the two thousands. So it's Millwood. It's Holiday twice. Yep. It's Hamels. Yep. You have what? You have one more. James mentioned it previously. It's it's oh, the so, it mixed one. It's the mixed one. Yeah. Hamels, yeah. Deakman, Giles, Papelbon. You're, you're talking about 25 Combined. years between Yankees perfect games. John Means was the first solo no-hitter since Jim Palmer. <laughs> so yeah. Diaz is the spoiled one. 
You no, you literally just woke and said, "Oh, we only have these four perfect games in our history." <laughs> okay, both Diaz and I are spoiled, and you can be depressed about the Orioles again. I always am, but let's not dwell on that. Last thing I wanted to bring up real quick. It's not official yet, but it does look like Arsenal are about to have by far the most expensive signing in their history. They proposed 105 million pound deal for West Ham's Declan Rice, who I absolutely love. Is any player worth that much money? No, but it's not my money. It's billionaire's money. So, you know, whatever they can, they can spend it. And I think he makes the team a lot better. Is he the second best British player ever? Probably not. But again, he makes our team a lot better. So I'm fine if the billionaires want to do what needs to be done to get him. Until he's in the jersey, I'm not going to celebrate too much, but it would be really nice to have him. Save you're always harping on waiting until the jersey. But if any offseason recently was going to demonstrate why. Well, that's what's making memories for us right now. We do now, though, want to turn back a little bit further a week or so ago when we got to have uh, a very fun conversation with a new friend of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to welcome someone who might not necessarily have name recognition for you, but the risk of using any foul language. I do think you might be familiar with some of his poultry efforts. Uh, I think that second one didn't work as well, but hopefully this will work well (laughs) as we continue into our conversation with our friend, Alexander You all know how we feel about birds, flying objects in general. Uh, I've got the Ozerations and the dragons, I guess. Xavier, you've got your jets, you've got your swallows. Diaz, you've got the eagles. And today, live from the streets of Philadelphia, it is just you and me, my friend, our guest, who has maybe got some questionable feelings, actually, about birds in general, Alexander Tomitsky. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Now, for anyone that doesn't recognize the name, that doesn't necessarily mean that we think you don't recognize Alexander himself. I'm alluding to it a little bit, but uh, would you like to do the honors of explaining your maybe mixed feelings on Bird? Uh, sure, yeah, it's definitely a, a mixed feeling, but I guess I punished my body by eating chicken. Indeed. You are our chief poultry correspondent. I believe it was late September. 2022, when you began an undertaking that culminated on November 6th. Uh, If anyone has seen the guy that ate 40 straight days of rotisserie chicken, you are now listening to his dulcet tones. This is me. This is what I sound like. (laughs) This is uh, you with significantly less sodium, I hope, wearing on your vocal cords at this point. Thank goodness, yeah. But indeed, on November 6th, 2022, you did eat a rotisserie chicken at, and I quote, that abandoned pier near Walmart. And (laughs) you you became a bit of a phenomenon at the time. You are kind of the Philly chicken guy. And anyone who's getting referred to as the blank guy is someone we're going to have our eyes on, Uh, particularly (laughs) in a city where like you already have to overcome the fact that there is a previously existing chicken man. Shout out Mafia Prime George Baltesta. But you did it. And there's one question that I've actually had for a while. And it's honestly, it's in no small part the reason I first wanted to kind of reach out to you. Uh, Sure. There was this coincidence that arose as you continued down your streak. I came in personally around like day 28 or so. So I don't want to act like I was too hip to it too early. 
Yeah. But I was hip to it before two crucial things happened. And that was the Philadelphia Union making and losing the MLS finals and mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Phillies making and losing the World Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of these were, anytime you make a championship, there's a little bit of surprise. The Phillies in particular, bit surprising that they made it. And because of this immense loss the city was feeling, it really seemed like this thing that, uh, again, I quote from you, this was not supposed to be a party, but it took on this massive sports catharsis and kind of got absorbed almost incidentally into the sports sphere. And I guess I was just kind of curious, did that change the tone of what you set out to do? Well, not really. I didn't really set out to do much but eat chicken. So, yeah, I mean, I guess anyone has liberty to make it however, whatever they want. I didn't really have any sort of artist statement or, you know, I'm not even really a competitive eater. I just ate a meal and I'm happy that that was uh, some sort of uh, way to bring joy to the city. I'm Yeah, I don't really have much. I've never really thought about it that way. No, that's as much of an answer in and of itself, like that it didn't change it for you, that this really was just kind of a a bit that you were committed to. We absolutely respect people committing to the bit immensely here. But I guess, you know, the reason that I think it came to me is it is now kind of paired, at least for some small subset of people in the Philadelphia world with these two losses. Maybe this is a little bit looking too forward, but it feels a little bit like the kind of thing that people five years down the line. Do you remember when we lost the world series and we lost the MLS cup and also that guy ate 40 chickens? Like there's an extent (laughs) to which you are going to get associated with this. And I just, I'm curious whether that's entered your mind at all. And it seems like it has it, which is interesting in and of itself. Like I said, I I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's great that the simplest or rather the, uh, it was just a very simple thing to do, and the fact that that was a way to cheer up a city is wonderful. And I have a lot of love for Philadelphia, and there's nothing I'd like to see more than my neighbors, you know, feel good and find something absurd to bring them joy is great. I mean, I think it's an absolute honor, to be honest with you. Have any, did any part of you want to eat another chicken? During the I-95 live stream of them fixing it 24-7 and just thousands of people just watching builders just rebuild this road with a bunch of signs and stuff in the background. I was looking at that for like 30 minutes while I was at work and I was thinking because, you know, I knew we were going to be talking to you. How funny would it be if he just showed up and started eating another chicken on this live stream? Um, I never really thought about it. You know, I feel pretty satisfied with, uh, doing the 40 and, you know, I had, I had my, my show and I think taking away from the hard work of those construction workers wouldn't be the right thing to do. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd feel bad for stealing the attention away from their hard work, I guess. As I, I, I do think it, it could have been good fun, but yeah, a lot of people ask me to eat chicken after, you know, <laughs> and I've pretty much said no to every request. Even, you know, there was some sponsorship offers that, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I feel like I did what I had to do and I accomplished what I had to do. And, you know, I don't, I don't really 
feel like stretching it because if I stretched it, it would just kind of ruin the the purity of it or something. How long did it take for you to want to eat any more chicken at all oh, after shit. the fortieth chicken? Yeah, so it took about. I thought it would take longer, but just about two weeks because, you know, chicken can be prepared in all different ways. I still can't eat really rotisserie chicken. There, there was my follow-up. Okay, yeah, so haven't yeah, gone back yeah. to that well yet. Yeah, just looking at it actually makes me feel sick. <laughs> the, the only time that I kind of got surprised by it was uh, Chris Long was in town who used to play for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And he had me, uh, well, he asked me to eat a chicken, and I was like, oh, I can't, but maybe you can. But he did have one waiting for me, and I took, like, a small bite, and it was really challenging to do. Yeah, uh, no, 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 no true interest in that. <laughs> <laughs> one more question about sure, the chicken before we start to kind of pivot into our sports for today. Sure. Of the 40 chickens that you ate, is there a specific uh-huh. one – and you think was the most challenging? Like, was it chicken seven to finish the first week? Is there any particular chicken that stands out? Oh, man. So, yeah, there was, I'll I'll give you three scenarios, and I'll be brief about it. About how... Go as long as you like, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The first one, well, you know, it was, it was definitely a journey at the beginning. It seemed fun and, like, exciting for me but there was sort of a build-up where i started questioning my sanity it's like oh man i am actually going to the grocery store to get another one of these chickens for no reason i'm gonna eat it and this one particular time i was at uh, acme and there's this little like cafeteria area where you can uh, drink beer and so i got the rotisserie chicken and i was drinking a bud light and to the right of me was someone that was dressed up like Rocky, <laughs> continuously talking about how like other sports are cool, but Rocky's the fucking best in shadow boxing. There's another guy <laughs> pounding three tall cans of Narragansett, and someone else frantically, you know, tapping on their phone while they're charging it to like they obviously needed their phone to charge immediately. And then I kind of just told myself, uh I am where I belong right now because they probably think I'm just <laughs> as crazy as them. You know, I have no napkins. I'm just covered in grease, eating rotisserie chicken. Um, you found so that was, that was one challenging thing. I guess the other one would be a week leading up to the last 40th chicken. My stomach was really feeling the effects. Like I, I couldn't eat anything. I'd eat the chicken, and that was basically all I would eat. I was losing weight just my stomach was absolutely just turned upside down and so i wanted to practice the last chicken on the pier so the day 39 i ate it on the pier by myself and it took like it's funny like almost like two hours which took me about 20 minutes like on day one day two and so that was pretty terrifying for me to you know realize like eating chicken for two hours people are just gonna get mad at me and I'm probably gonna have to jump in the river. Yeah, but the hardest day overall was the 40th just because it was a whole new experience seeing like people or rather people watching you eat was a whole new kind of 
dimension of it and then the pressure of finishing it. But luckily, I, I, I don't really smoke weed, and I was considering smoking weed before to get an appetite, and I'm happy I didn't because yeah. that, would have, that would have changed things altogether. <laughs> Probably not the best time to, like, see how that affects that whole situation. For yeah, 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 but everything worked out great. Uh, it did. I mean, you've, you have certainly gotten a bit of notoriety. Uh, if I may ask one final question before we get to the brass tacks today. Oh, please. Uh, we talked about your experience with Chris Long, which I'm sure was excellent. And I do want to make sure we can mention that you did put this to good use in the sense that like raise a lot of money and awareness for a lot of Philadelphia based uh, food charities and philanthropies and organizations following this. Sure. So that I'm sure is the good person answer of like, what's the coolest moment to have come from this? And I wanted to get that out of the way so that you didn't have to give the good person answer when I asked what was like the coolest thing to come of, of your 15 oh, yeah, years. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, doing that seems like the right thing to do. Like if you get the attention, like, I don't know, like I don't need all the attention, throw it onto, you know, something that matters, I guess. All right, so the question is what, what is the coolest thing? Uh, like I mean, you got to be the Philly chicken guy for a little bit and, and have everything that came with that. And just like, did you have any other cool moments or any of the experiences with Chris Long or any other Eggles? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of cool things happen, I guess. A lot of interesting people tell me that they thought I did something cool. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, it is, uh, it's hard to explain, but. I guess the coolest thing for me was to just eat it and finish it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, whatever comes after that is the cool. journey. Yeah, I mean, it was just mostly for me to, like, finish that was, like, pretty much the best part of it. I don't want to sound, like, on uh, appreciative to, you know, the results. But, you know, I could take it or leave it when it comes to the attention and praise and whatnot like i don't know i i think it's cool but it's also just i it's i don't want to sound like addicted but like no not at all you're you, yeah, you either are way, craft. the attention is whatever i didn't do it for that reason so it just seems like an after effect or something i guess the best part was yeah finishing it and then you know hearing people tell me stories of why it makes them happy and also, it's exciting when people tell me how mad it makes them. <laughs> That's kind of fun, too, to like, there's some people that really need to be narcissistic and find a vessel for that. So I'm happy that I gave could, them something to complain about. That this could like evoke any frustration in someone. Oh, I, yeah. No, I mean, that was, there's a good amount of that for sure, which is kind of funny. I mean, that community always talks about it. We don't talk about the narcissist enough, and I'm glad that we're able to give them at least a little <laughs> thought uh, through your story. Yeah, and um, it's good to bring it up to that. That way they know that they're not alone. Exactly. One question I wanted to ask, and this will kind of segue us into our sports discussion. Obviously, your odyssey with the rotisserie chickens provided inspiration for a lot of Philadelphians, a lot of us saw a bit of ourselves in your journey um sure. but you are not a native philadelphian um so i'm just curious if you could tell us a bit about your history as a sports fan who did you root for right up um who were some early athletes that were your favorites just generally your background with sports 
Sure. Yeah. So I grew up bouncing around, but most of the time was in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. I, uh, I've been here about, I think, nine years, maybe close to 10. But I grew up playing baseball, uh, a little bit of football. When I was younger, I was a Red Sox fan. Being from that area was great. You know, the period where it was, uh, you know, Nomar, Garci Parra, you know, Jason Veritek, who I looked up to because I was a catcher. But it was interesting, the, you know, how things kind of changed once I moved to the city because it felt like having that, you know, being a Red Sox fan was something that sort of I had to fall into just because it was like this area that I grew up. But it started as me being bigger fans of Philly fans than being fans of, you know, let's say the Red Sox. And from that morphed to the undeniable uh, love and respect for all things Philadelphia, which I have no guilt about. You know, kind of feeling lost in the first part of my life. And to be honest, I hate where I came from, unfortunately. Um, I, I'm happy I got away. and There's nothing that I love more than where I'm at now and loving Philadelphia for every aspect. And I, I really feel like, you know, this is where I was supposed to end up and this is where I plan to stay. Well, as, as a Philadelphian, I think I speak for the entire city. We love having you here. You fit right into our fabric. Putting ourselves through pain for no reason other than to do it in sometimes, but we, we certainly identify with, like, you are the Rocky of eating chicken, if we're to really get at the base of it. So I love that. I like Rocky. It's a great story. Yeah, the whole story of him writing that movie is pretty cool. Like, uh, you know, being broke Sylvester Stallone and being offered money to, you know, not star in the movie, but then of being course. like, no, I, I need to act in this. And he was like the perfect role. I'm genuinely surprised there hasn't been a movie about the making of Rocky yet. Um, yeah, there should be. Yeah, probably will be someday. To be honest, there, there is no new original ideas, uh, but that one at least will be very entertaining. I agree. Now you've, you have said you like torturing yourself. You've clearly got that Philadelphia mindset in it, but we are not here necessarily to talk about you. You are clearly not someone who's about that. You're here to elevate some other people. And as I understand it, you've got a guy for the guy Bunel to consider today. I'm excited to hear who this is. So I don't know if, and I hope I understood the assignment mm -hmm. to choose someone that represents like sports and is really good at sports. Does the person's character have anything to do with this <laughs> it certainly gets weighed at times yeah, yeah well but it's not necessarily gonna uh it does not have to be a deciding factor okay so i'm i'm sure it may have a deciding factor here because it is a controversial athlete okay um but i do appreciate the drive and how interesting they are and uh, it's gonna be mike tyson iron mike mike tyson yeah, I, I just think he's just, I mean, when I found out that he boxed with a broken back and didn't tell anyone, and at the end, they're like, Mike, what's going on? And he's like, I broke my back. I think that's just really shows like the 
the determination, perseverance of, you know, wanting to do what they have to do. Well, it's funny that you've brought up Mike because we've had Mike Tyson and Jason conversations on here before. We have nominated, I forget if he made it in, James. The custom auto um, I think someone that already got chosen. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. Someone who's someone, been brought up. Yeah. But I, I'm trying to check the list too, Diaz. What's the name? Uh, Customato. So that was that was Tyson's Custom main trainer growing up. We did not induct Customato. Customato did not make it in for that one. So while it's been brought up, you know what? This we've already got a bonus for him for another guy that we've discussed before. But I mean, let's let's get to the discussion of Mike Tyson. Great. Yeah, no, I think just Mike is out, absolutely out of his mind. Like the fact that he offered to pay ten thousand dollars to fight a gorilla, I think is insane like he's like i I just want to prove to you how crazy i am i want to fight a silverback gorilla i think that's awesome well i love it because i I juxtapose something like that with the fact that obviously he's very well known as somebody that loves pigeons took care of pigeons and it's like you know the smaller animal that needs protecting he's very delicate with but the bigger animal that he can prove his strength against he wants to punch that gorilla in the face I think that's a really cool point. Yeah. I mean, but at the same rate, like he is co- kind of controversial and in, in the sense that, you know, I think there has been different allegations that questions his character, but on the athletic, you know, part of it, it's definitely an interesting career. I think Tyson is interesting because he fits the mold perfectly of someone who's, despite the fact that he's so well known i feel like his actual athletic career his boxing career is kind of forgotten about because of how kind of nuts his second act has been i mean from about mid 80s to mid 90s i mean he was he was unbeatable and he was knocking everyone out and was a massive star and you know maybe we came around a little like it was a little before our time but after that, I mean, all of the things that he got into, like, overshadowed it. I feel like when people think about Mike Tyson, they think about Mike Tyson, the character, and not mm-hmm. Mike Tyson, the boxer. Mike Tyson, the boxer, was one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Yeah. Probably will be for a very long time. Well, and the thing with some of his more legal troubles, the thing that was always interesting to me, and, like, I have no idea what he has or has not done. But what he always maintained about the Robin Givens accusation was, I didn't do that, but I had no problem going to jail because I did at least five things that were worse than that. And it's interesting because like, he certainly today seems to be reformed, seems much more at peace with himself, which is all great. But most people in his position, if they thought that they went to jail for something they didn't do, they would be angry about it, but he was almost at peace with it because it was like, this is where I belong to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not sure if that makes it good or bad, but definitely adds to the complexity of the character. I mean, I always used to tell my campers uh, that if they were going to fuck up and break a rule, I'd be much more upset if later on they lied about that to avoid consequences. Like you just tell me that you fucked up and we can deal with that. All this to say that for Mr. Tyson, when he's willing to go to jail for maybe a crime that he didn't commit because he knows that down the line there was something, he's, he knows that he's not necessarily someone that needs to really try and proclaim his innocence. I think we can appreciate at least that bare minimum level of awareness. Sure, yeah, but 
I, I also think he should not be like really forgiven for some of the stuff, but yeah, now I'm starting to question why I chose uh, Mike Tyson. <laughs> uh, he's, who... an inter- he's an interesting character, and I think like fun to talk about, even if he's as we've kind of danced around, done some pretty bad shit. And we've talked about some bad people on this podcast before. We had an entire episode on villains where James talked about the old owner of the Cincinnati Reds, who was an outspoken racist and Nazi. He's pretty much a Nazi. I didn't know that. Yeah, Mark Shot. Shot. Like, didn't wear a swastika, but was thinking about it real hard. Yeah, wow. Jesus. And the sad thing is, I'm sure that's still around, just kind of under the radar. But yeah, that's awful. <laughs> Who are some of the people that have been inducted? The worst human being we've inducted is, without a doubt, uh, Jack Molinas. Jack Molinas was, and I quote the New York Times, the Mephistopheles of college basketball. So that was an individual that basically ran all of the point shaving and all of college basketball for a number of years and ruined kids' lives by getting them involved in a massive gambling scheme that eventually got blown up by the feds. Oh, was then allegedly murdered by the mob while working as a pornography producer in Los Angeles after having gotten out of jail for the point shaving scandal. Yeah. Oh, wow. So like I, I, when you brought up Mike Tyson, the, the thought of extremes did occur to me. And my immediate justification was, look, by no means if he goes in, is he the worst person on a personal level to go in? By no means is he going to hit that horizon we've established. The one thing that we have discussed before that I think might come up to Mike Tyson is, is he too good to guy? Is he perhaps so much of a star that he almost begins to exceed the guy's status. That's the other thing that I've considered. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. To to analogize to, you know, the Red Sox of your youth, like Jason Baratek, maybe a guy. Nomar Garcia-Barr, too good to be a guy. Pokey Reese is a guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You could make an argument for Nomar. Here's what I could say. You could make an argument for Nomar because the peak, sure. But there's so much chaff around the wheat of the peak of Nomar Garcia Parra's career. And he also holds such like a massive cultural thing it, in just his name being pronounced with that accent. You can make a case for Nomar Garcia Parra is all I'm saying. I mean, he also had the issue of being in a division where like he was constantly compared to the other AL shortstops at the time. And he always got compared to Jeter and Tejada. Mm-hmm. Also- and Diaz, your number one argument for Nomar Garcia Parra as a guy, we've talked about this when we talked about Orlando Cabrera. He's the shortstop that gets replaced the year before the Red Sox break the curse. I know, right? How funny is that? <laughs> yeah, poor guy. <laughs> well, maybe they won because he wasn't there. Who knows? It's one of the ultimate Ewing theories that we have. No, I'm trying I, to think of other, other cool guys out there. I mean, hey, this is what we are here for every single week. We just do this to remember guys. One thing that I did that came to mind, and I remember as soon as we brought up Mike Tyson, you know, I wasn't a big boxing fan when I was a kid, but I was a big video game fan. And so I real quick pulled up Mike Tyson's punch out to see if we had any excellent nuggets there. Mike Tyson got signed to punch out before he was a world champion. That's crazy. That's like, a there, was, there was this president for Nintendo of America. The founder and president went to this boxing match and was had such a good eye for boxers that he saw this guy Mike Tyson win when he was still like an undercard dude. It's like, that's going to be the next champion. 
We need wow. to get his name and likeness right now. But and guess what? Gets even weirder because before the game comes out in America, they've already lost the license. So anyone in America that has played like an NES copy of Punch Out, like we all know it's Mike Tyson's Punch Out, but those are all uh, what I think he's called Mr. Dream or something. So no one in America has played a legit American release of a game featuring Mike Tyson by Nintendo. That is so outrageously interesting. I had I I did not realize that. Anywho, oh. this all exists on the Punch Out Wikipedia page. I highly recommend folks check out. Oh, great game dazzled by this so far you can also play it in the original gamecube release for animal crossing it is one of the nes games that you can get in that game oh wow animal cross so i didn't really play much but i i got it right when COVID hit uh animal crossing and it was very relaxing it's a good time yeah probably because there isn't anyone punching or biting ears and i mean we're we're dancing around it a little bit like diaz with your bar test if I were going to try and use anyone's sentence to bring up Mike Tyson as someone who didn't immediately have the name recognition, which I know that idea is crazy, but I would say, do you remember the boxer that bit the other guy's ear? Well, the thing is like Tyson has like several sentences like that. Like, do you remember the guy that bit Holyfield's ear off? Do you remember the guy that got a face tattoo nine hours before he fought a fight and he knocked that guy out that he fought? What? That fight? Know, I didn't know who that he fought, so this was, I must have been like eight or nine at the time. I watched this fight live. Uh, my dad had his brothers over, and Mike Tyson fought a guy by the name of Clifford Etienne. You can look that up, Clifford Etienne. When Tyson got the face tattoo, it was like they were talking about it before the broadcast, like when he chose up tonight. Uh, he may have gotten a tattoo earlier this morning. More on that. And then when he comes out, you see his now iconic face tattoo. Freshly inked. Raw wound on his face, crazy person, didn't matter. Got a knockout in, I think, the third round against Clifford Etienne. It might have been the second round. That is nutty. Man, you'd still get so sweaty in just three rounds. All I can think about is all the salt pouring into those wounds. Oh, well, yeah. He Another did, cool he guy did. I just thought of was Tim Wakefield. He's kind of cool. We love a Tim knuckleball. Wakefield, the last, uh, last great he knuckleball, actually, yeah. he, he probably is still one of my favorite pitchers of all time, Tim Wakefield. Tim Wakefield, even better to me than R.A. Dickey, as much as I loved R.A. Dickey, and he was better for the one time we brought him up. But Tim Wakefield was still the knuckleballer who had, like, the personal catcher that had to be with him at all times. Yeah, yeah, Doug Morbelli. Just like, for any Wire fans, Hoyt Wilhelm and uh, Gus Triandos. Wait, I just looked up something. So... Did you know that when Mike Tyson was in prison, he got three tattoos based on things that he read while he was in prison? He got the face of Mao Zedong tattooed on him when he, when he, he read Arthur Ashe's memoir and got a tattoo of Arthur Ashe on him. And then he got a tattoo of Che Guevara on him. So he came out of prison with three tattoos. Arthur <laughs> Ashe, and Che Guevara... In Mao Zedong. Two of those, I can make a connection between Mao and Che. I can't think of anything that Arthur Ashe has in common with either of those two guys, other than being on Mike Tyson's skin. No, the only thing is that Spike Lee sent him the book while he was in prison, and he read it and liked it, so he got Arthur Ashe tattooed on him. See, the more we talk about it, Mike Tyson, like, I just wanted to say there, what a guy. I am being won over to this. I was worried he might be too talented, but he might just 
win it over by doing so much shit in addition to being a very good boxer. You could convince me that Shaq is a guy at this point from everything else that he's done that has in many ways like disguised how good peak Shaq was from the modern consciousness. In that same way, I'm starting to come around on Mike Tyson being a guy. I just looked up, uh, and I don't know if it's true, that he refused to have sex for five years and then also like to serve himself for five years. <laughs> That's like a Blue Mountain State thing. <laughs> Build up the testosterone? I guess so. I don't know. I have one very important question. What episodes do we think Mike Tyson Mysteries had on Adult Swim in its four seasons? I watched that show. Um, like 35. Any I'll other go guesses? 60. 60? Any guesses from you, Alex? 41. 70 episodes. God, if they could have ended it one sooner. One sooner, Mike Tyson. But 70 episodes of Mike Tyson's Mysteries exist in the world. Oh my god, that's too bad. Piece? That's over 10 hours. That's 11 hours of Mike Tyson's mysteries that exist. I think we could probably break Mike Tyson up into three different guys. There's boxer Mike Tyson, there's controversial Mike Tyson, and then there's businessman Mike Tyson, who has done literally everything you could think of from NFTs to adult swim to making his own restaurants and whatever. It just... He is, he is all guys in one. He does have his own weed strain, too. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't go in, but I drove past the dispensary in New Jersey one time, uh, and they had signs up for Mike Tyson. I mean, frankly, there's not many celebrity endorsements I would trust more on that than Mike Tyson's. His, um, so his podcast, he, Mike Tyson has his own podcast now, too. It's called Hot Boxing, um, and it's exactly what you would think. He brings on, like, active boxers, he gets high as shit himself. Sometimes the boxers join, sometimes they don't. And he just interviews them. If you're a fan of the sport or a fan of Mike Tyson, could not recommend it enough. Wow. I have a pretty funny Mike Tyson story. Uh, I wasn't there for it, but I mean, I'm in the restaurant industry. And I guess he went into this restaurant I worked at. And his waiter was a, a little feminine and, you know, kind of had like a interesting way of talking and mike tyson got really defensive and he thought that the guy was mocking him and uh it became like a big issue like he thought that like the guy was making fun of him but he just had like this interesting way of talking it was just became like a big problem do not want an angry mike tyson in your restaurant somebody's ear might end up in entrees oh god (laughs) Well, he, he beat someone else up on an airplane recently, right? Yeah, that, I, if I remember correctly, he was like 100% justified because it was basically some fan that was like, let me get a picture, let me get a picture, let me get a picture. And like Mike gave him his picture, but he kept being annoying. Because Tyson didn't get charged as a result of that, I'm pretty sure. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, as Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And that fan Dude, had that a, is- a picture. Yeah. You know what's funny is that the, the reason that Mike Tyson, I got I probably subconsciously inspired by it. I, I, I don't know. On Pass Young Avenue, there's a jewelry shop, like a hair studio jewelry shop. And uh, there is that printed out 
and framed like in the window, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, really. Oh, that quote. Yeah, that quote. I mean, he's he's a wordsmith. I mean, that's one of my favorite quotes by him. He has the infamous one where he uh, threatens to eat another man's children. Uh, my favorite is when he was asked what he was going to do when he was about to retire. And he said, I guess I'll just fade into Bolivian. Um, so we're still looking for him in South America. Somewhere. <laughs> That's cr- fucking crazy. Okay. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of thoughts on Mike Tyson. I think let's try and move into final discussion before we do that. Alexander, if you had to make one final, like sentence long pitch, on Mike Tyson. Why do you believe Mike Tyson belongs in the Hall of Guy? Uh, because there there are the facts already, or at least, uh, you know, some interesting details about, you know, boxing is one part of his life, but surprising people and kind of just going on his own intuition and like on his own road to insanity makes me believe that there will be more and more surprises to come. I think I can safely say that between the cultural contributions, we have, I mean, we never mentioned the hangover even. It, it's I was going to say, we never even got to the hangover. But, you know, with that, I think there is only one other question that I have, and we may not even have the answer, but it has been rattling around in my Did he offer 10000 to a specific person to fight a gorilla? Was this just like (laughs) $10,000 that he was saying is available for anyone that brings a gorilla to me and say like, hey, here's 10K. Bring me your buffest gorilla. I I am still curious about where the 10,000 was supposed to go for gorilla fighting. I mean, that is really important context to the situation. I mean, what if, it, like, what if it was Coco? Like, Coco's here trying to learn sign language, and Mike Tyson's trying to beat the shit out of her. He offered a zoo worker, and I don't know if that's a way to, like, prove to the <laughs> zoo worker that he means business. Just some dude at the zoo? Oh, this is what it is. Uh, yeah, Tyson was with his wife enjoying a private tour of the New York Zoo, and Mike noticed the gorilla seemed to be bullying other gorillas. So his <laughs> solution was to beat the shit out of it. <laughs> That's so much better. That's, I'm so glad I asked this question because the fact that he wanted to take care of a bully gorilla that was picking on smaller, more defenseless gorillas. I have no further questions. That sealed it for me. But please, Diaz Xavier, if we have further deliberation. I mean... As a boxing fan, like major boxing fan, boxing is probably too formative a part of my childhood, but it is a very formative part of my childhood. And anytime we bring up really any boxer, but I mean, especially one with the accomplishments of Mike Tyson, I'm going to be hard pressed to do anything but vote them into the hall. Mike Tyson was in a Vietnamese Chinese movie called Girls 2, also called Girls vs. Gangsters, where he played a gangster named Dragon. And that is all I need to know to think about. When I think about Mike Tyson, I think of the fact that he'll do pretty much anything, including being in a Chinese Vietnamese film called Girls 2, Girls vs. Gangsters. I love that. I love that so much. I, I like Mike Tyson a lot, despite terrible things that he has done in the past, but Oh, I, I feel like Mike Tyson is so many different people at once that 
we can set aside evil Mike Tyson for very funny Mike Tyson. We can find one Mike Tyson in there that we approve of. And Diaz, it does <laughs> sound like there is unanimous approval of that particular Mike Tyson that we have uh, centrifuged out of the rest of it. Of course. So with the very specific clarification that we are seeking to honor the person that did not commit horrible crimes. And instead, we are seeking to honor the man that is the protector of the defenseless gorilla. The man <laughs> receives ink onto his face right before getting punched in said face and still wins the fight. The man that casuals at barbershops across the country will still say is the greatest heavyweight of all time. But he's certainly the guyest heavyweight of all time. Iron Mike Tyson, welcome into the Hall of Guy. Holy shit. Welcome to the Hall, Iron Mike. And congratulations to you, Alexander, for your successful case for the Iron One himself. Fuck yeah, man. I, I, I feel like I've always been such a downer on the, the combat sports section of the Hall. And it's not that I want to be on the sport itself. We've just found a lot of guys who do not have enough silly cartoons and hangover cameos to distract me from some of the other things that go on boxing. But Mike Tyson sure has enough of those distractions for me. Alexander, it has been such a pleasure to have you on to discuss your history as a guy, as well as the history of another great guy. Uh, do you have anything that you'd like to plug in particular in this moment? Uh, yeah, keep, keep doing... Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> any, any food? I've got, I've got nothing. Any particular food banks we should shout out in this moment? Oh yeah. South Philly community fridge is great. You know, that's my, that's my neighborhood. That's, you know, that's South Philly. Uh, be great to, you know, help some of the neighbors that face food insecurity, but yeah, I guess just like, it doesn't have to be food. Just like if you have an opportunity to, you know, do something good, then do it. A lot of people live in different types of shit that everyone might be not be aware of and just kind of put that in consideration. If everyone helped each other, it'd make things a lot easier. Well put. And uh, I will be sure to put in and include in our show notes the information that you can use to get to South Philly Fridge. Alexander, it has been lovely. It's been an honor to be invited. And I had fun. And I'm really happy that I chose someone that got inducted. We are very grateful for that, as we are grateful to producer Craig and the whole gang behind him, Don Ham, our musical director for our lovely theme music, and to you, dear listener, most of all, if you like what you hear, you can keep it going with a new guy of the day every day, and you can find that and all the rest of our junk at bit.ly slash rememberthatguy, all one word, all lowercase. We will be back next week kicking things off with a steaming hot batch of guys. And we do hope you will join us for that. But until then, I have been James. I've been the very special guest, Xavier. It's been fun. It's been cool. And uh, thanks. Thank you, Alex. I've been Diaz. And as Colonel Sanders once said, it's finger licking guy. <laughs> yeah, let's get those guys. <laughs> I don't like the context of that quote. <laughs> I like finger licking guy. I think that's great. Yeah, fingers. I mean, you touch a lot of different things, so it can taste, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
and, and there's two fingers. I mean, a plethora of options. Yeah, depending on what you do during the day, if you're at work or something, your hands could definitely taste different. 